Seiya Suzuki signs with the Cubs. Kyle Schwarber signs with the Phillies. Two players the Giants had been tied to off the board this morning. So we'll talk about who's left for the Giants and what are they going to do next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, so check us out there if you have not already. And coming up on today's show, we're going to take a look at the state of the market and uh, where the San Francisco Giants come into play here in this remaining free agent market. Seiya Suzuki signs with the Chicago Cubs this morning. It, it was a big deal relative to what the predictions were. And granted, the predictions that we had been talking about, you know, we averaged MLB trade rumors, ESPN and fan graphs, looking at all the different top 50 free agents. And for Suzuki, it was admittedly tough to pin down what his value was, given that, you know, it's hard to project the performance. Therefore, it's hard to predict the contract. But he ends up getting a five-year $85 million deal, which is $17 million per season, whereas the prediction was about $11 million per season. Plus, there's a posting fee that goes to his former team in Japan, which comes out to about $15 million. So it all, when all is said and done, it's about a five-year $100 million deal, which is roughly double what we expected based on the predictions. And like I said, we didn't know that that he was going to sign for anywhere near the predictions, but it was just kind of an estimate. So anyway, he did well for himself, and he's off the board. He was clearly, uh, in my opinion, without knowing exactly what the performance is going to be, it seemed obvious he was a target of the San Francisco Giants. He made a lot of sense in a lot of different ways, but he is gone. He signs with the Cubs. And then Kyle Schwarber, another guy we talked about yesterday as a strong fit for the San Francisco Giants, he ends up signing a deal with the Philadelphia Phillies this morning in addition. So uh, the deal that Schwarber ends up getting is four years, $79 million. So that's $19.75 million per season over four years, whereas the prediction was for 3.67 years, averaging those three sources, MLB Trade Rumors, ESPN, Fangraphs and $15.8 million per season. So he gets the high end on the years and he goes way over on the average annual value. So this is just part of a continuing theme across the league where players this offseason, there were 59 players to appear on at least one of the top 50 lists of those three sources. 43 have signed. So 73% of those top 50 players top 59 players have signed and overall they've received 14% more years than predicted and a 6% higher average annual value. 
Uh, average annual value overall prediction for them was 14.1 million and they're getting 15 million. So uh, on the position player side, they have received 21% more years than predicted and 8% more average annual value for an overall 34% uh, (laughs) charge on top of the uh, expected total of 855 million they've received 1.1 billion uh instead and so anyway all i'm trying to say is that this market has been inflated and when when we look at the signings the giants have made belt disclafani wood cobb and rodan they've actually given out eight percent fewer years than predicted for those players and a total of just two percent more total money than predicted so they've relatively speaking signed more team-friendly contracts and fewer years, whereas overall across the league, we've seen 14% more years than predicted handed out. So I'm getting into the weeds here, but the reason this matters is because when we look at who's left and we look at what might those contracts look like, uh, it remains to be seen whether it's going to be more in line with predictions or if we're actually going to see this uh, inflation, basically. And Uh, players going for 33% more overall than expected. So the remaining players who I would say are in play for the Giants, I mean, when we look at all the top free agent position players who are left in the outfield and utility players, uh, it's a list that includes Chris Bryant as the utility player among this group. And then Nick Castellanos and Michael Conforto. Those are the three best kind of outfielders remaining and Tommy Pham is also a free agent and then you've got guys like Jorge Soler and Jock Peterson and then switching to the infield there's still Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman and Trevor Story in play. So coming up next we'll we're, we're going to get more in detail about some of these second tier players. Yesterday we broke down all of these top tier players and their fits a potential fit on the San Francisco Giants. But I want to break down the likes of Tommy Pham, Jorge Soler, and Jock Peterson. I receive a lot of questions about those players. I think that at least one of them actually does make a lot of sense, potentially for the San Francisco Giants. So that conversation is coming up next. But first, are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission Possible, written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete, Tim Tebow encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. All right, as promised, we are going to take a closer look at some of these second tier players. I also do want to explore the top of the market and just guys who could be in play if there's changes to the market dynamics. I'm thinking about Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa. I know it's a long shot, but you know, we've got reports frequently throughout the last few days that, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays are really interested in Freddie Freeman and aggressively pursuing him. The Colorado Rockies are in on Chris Bryant. So weirder things have happened than the Giants kind of entering that mix. They do kind of operate in silence too. We don't hear them rumored to be, you know, pursuing players so much until boom, they've made a signing like 
we didn't hear anything connecting them to Rodon, and then boom, they've signed Carlos Rodon. So uh, the fact that we don't hear anything doesn't necessarily mean anything, and there's still quite a bit of talent available, but that that talent is dwindling on the free agent side. But then, of course, trades are still a possibility. We've heard um, Austin Meadows. I'm I'm actually blanking on his first name. That's unusual for me. But Meadows with the Tampa Bay Rays is reportedly drawing trade interest. We heard a report that Jose Ramirez is being discussed with the Toronto Blue Jays. Man, if Jose Ramirez was available, I just love that guy. He might be my favorite player it would cost a lot to get Jose Ramirez, even though he's on, only under club control for two seasons. But, you know, we've heard that Tommy LaStella, by the way, is uh, the, the Giants are targeting a second baseman. Farhan Zaidi apparently said this on the radio yesterday because Tommy LaStella is probably going to miss some time to start the year after he had offseason Achilles surgery. As you may recall, he was dealing with an Achilles issue down the stretch last year, and he missed some time, including in the playoffs, I think. But he had surgery, and he's still rehabbing. So when they say they're targeting a second baseman, it could be they could go a number of different directions. You know, you could you could go big and sign a Carlos Correa or Trevor Story. I know that's not the most likely scenario, but it's still a possibility. And you could also you know bring back Donovan Solano, or you could sign one of these other kind of not just second tier but fringy type of players or you could go after a guy like Matt Carpenter who's trying to become the latest reclamation project he's really working hard to revamp his swing and get back to being the elite player that he once was with the Cardinals so there's a lot still in play when they say they're targeting a second baseman thought Brad Miller might have made some sense but he ends up signing with the Texas Rangers I think last night so when you look at the depth of the free agent market and you're not just looking at guys who appeared on these top 50 lists there's a lot of players still out there and so I think there's going to be opportunities to get pretty good players kind of on minor league deals really and so the Giants will eventually probably tap into that market pretty extensively but for now when there's still top of the market talent out there and the Giants conceivably have money to spend those are the guys we're going to uh, be focused on and hoping that the Giants are able to bring in. So thanks again, though, for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. So let's talk for a minute about some of these second-tier players, however, uh, because I get a lot of questions about them. I've talked about Tommy Pham a lot. Yesterday, we went through the top, in my opinion, six position players that made sense for the Giants. This is this was assuming Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa aren't really in that mix, although I would love to see them find a way to fit either of those guys in. Hey, why not both? I know it's not going to happen, but those are two really, really good players. So... I'd like to see them be in the mix, although we just don't know to what extent they are. But anyway, Tommy Pham, let me just kind of give that same summary I gave yesterday with those other players to Pham. So Pham is not far removed from being a very, very good player. He he was a six-war player in 2017 with the Cardinals, gets traded to the Tampa Bay Rays, and is just a very good kind of 
all-star level player for the Rays for a couple years. Then they trade him to the Padres. And his two years with the Padres, just he wasn't able to get it done. But when we look at the kind of expected numbers based on quality of contact, uh, Tommy Pham remained good. And even last year when he was only two points above average by weighted runs created plus, he, I mean, his down year is what I'm trying to say. Even when he had a down year last year, he had a 340 on base percentage. So there's still a lot of upside in the bat of Tommy Pham but like so many of the guys in this free agent class, the question is defense. And outs above average had Tommy Pham as a 10th percentile defender last season. But, you know, get a look at this. 98th percentile chase rate, 95th percentile walk rate, expected weighted on base average, 74th percentile, sprint speed, 69th percentile. So he can still move. He can still, you know, be patient when we look at his last full season in 2019, red across the board in terms of these percentiles, but the question again was defense. So that's true of a lot of these guys, though. Like when we look at Nick Castellanos and we talk about, okay, he's going to get $20 million a year over three or four years versus Tommy Pham, the prediction is like a one-year deal for $10 million. It's uh, Are they that different? In terms of what they bring to the table, yes. I mean, Castellanos is coming off a monster season. He was like 40 percentage points above average, and he's an impact bat. And with Fam, you might just get nothing. And so, yeah, there's a difference. But I think that potentially they end up not having that different of seasons. And when you look at the track record, Fam has done it in the recent past. So that's why I like Tommy Fam, and I. I think the uh, StatCast data suggests that a bounce back is in play. He is 34 years old. So, you know, a one-year deal makes sense. And uh, the Giants hitting coaches and the infrastructure they have in place to help players develop should make them an attractive destination for guys like Tommy Pham looking to rebound. And we also talked about Michael Conforto in that same kind of category, different circumstances and uh, left-handed hitter might be scared off by the ballpark, but I might, I said this yesterday, he was the picture I put out when posting this podcast. He was the face of the episode when I said, which bats are the best fit for the Giants. I Now that Suzuki is off the board, now that Schwarber is off the board, I might kind of circle Michael Conforto as the best possible fit. Remains to be seen though. I mean, someone like Chris Bryant in theory with the versatility might make more sense, but I expressed yesterday why I have concerns about decline out of Chris Bryant. But I've said all along, if his market kind of tanks and he's closer to the five years, 90 million that ESPN predicted versus the eight years, 200 million that uh, MLB trade rumors or fan graphs predicted, then that makes the Giants probably much more interested. So that remains to be seen. He's still out there. Jorge Soler, I just have to say, potentially very good bat he is more patient than i thought i kind of thought he was a free swinger but uh consistently has walk rates over 10 percent and doesn't chase nearly as much as i thought so i think the bat is a good one but the question is defense he's a terrible defender by every metric i've been able to see when i've seen him play defense i didn't think he was that bad but i don't watch him very often and so i kind of have to rely on these defensive metrics like outs above average etc and man this market is just littered with this type of player so 
he could fit, but it would be a, a cheaper deal and a short shorter term deal. So we'll see. Jock Peterson, kind of same type of deal. Not a very good defender. Platoon player. He went to the Cubs last year hoping to play every day. Didn't really work out that well. He had a mediocre season, got traded to the Braves, wore, wore the pearls, and was a you know postseason legend for the Braves. So same type of deal. He's not a great defensive player, but if he's hitting against right-handed pitching and uh, platooning in that way, he could make an impact potentially. He's from the Bay Area, so there's definitely a link there. So coming up next, let's talk about Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa, just the special talents that they would bring to any team, and if there's some conceivable way to have them make sense for the Giants, and if they can even fit them on the roster, given the players they already have. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So why choose to stand there like an idiot when you can uh, do it yourself and save 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts that you would otherwise be buying for more from a chain store or car dealership? A Honda Odyssey fuel pump, for example, is $353 from a chain store and just $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business as well, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, as promised, we are going to kind of take a look at this other segment of the market, uh, talking about Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa. Is there possibly a fit there? Some of you are like thinking I'm insane for even mentioning this, but if the Tampa Bay Rays are going to go after Freddie Freeman, then why not the San Francisco Giants? And then Carlos Correa, we've long speculated that he could be a fit, but especially with Tommy LaStella having this Achille- lingering Achilles issue. Honestly, I mean, what happens when LaStella comes back, though? And you've got Longoria, you've got Crawford, you've got LaStella and Flores and Tyro Estrada. Now, would Carlos Correa be an upgrade over any single one of those players? There's an argument to be made that, you know, Brandon Crawford may have even had a better season last year. I'd have to look exactly, but I mean, they both had really good seasons. Correa is coming off a great season. This is not a likely fit, but the Giants have money to spend. It should at least be a possibility, especially given that there's talk that he may possibly be open to a shorter term deal to re-enter the market maybe next year, maybe a one-year deal. Ken Rosenthal speculated possibly a one-year $40 million deal, I think was his speculation. That's the type of deal that the Giants should make, regardless of the fit. Um, You find a way to fit him if you can get a player of Correa's caliber for a one-year deal. Now, would he want to play in a ballpark like this when he's trying to rebuild 
value as best as possible? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, do I think he it could be a good fit with the, like I said, development infrastructure and hitting coaches the Giants have? Yeah, it absolutely could be. And how they take care of their players. But, it, but also, would he want to not play shortstop in that type of year? It's hard to see this happening. And I think the chances of it are less than 1%. So I'm not going to spend too much time Talking about this, maybe 1%, 2%. I don't know. I know uh, Cobert Gobert, shout out to Cobert Gobert, has been saying Giants should sign Correa all along. I just don't see the fit. That's the issue with me. If they had a glaring need at shortstop, then yeah, it makes all the sense in the world, but they don't. Correa is 27, impact player. You know, some questions because of the whole cheating stuff. He's kind of the face of that cheating scandal for the Astros. So, it would add to the spice, though. I mean, Dodgers fans hate Carlos Correa. And so imagine, you know, playing the Dodgers, what, 19 times a year with Correa? It would definitely add some intrigue to this rivalry. So I'm all for that if uh, that 1% chance comes to fruition. So lastly, let's talk about Freddie Freeman. Just special offensive player. Special, special player. He's one of those rare guys who's going to hit 300 in this day and age, nobody does that, especially when you're also going to walk, get on base about 40% of the time, and hit for power, and play good first base defense, and be a great kind of clubhouse guy. So Freddie Freeman is a special talent, and he's extremely durable. Played 159 games last year, 60 games in the 60-game season, 158 games the year before that, 162 games the year before that. So it makes sense to me why a team like the Rays just flies under the radar and targets a player like this. He is a special talent and a real difference maker. And so, yeah, the Giants already have a first baseman. This would completely screw up their roster in a lot of ways, but it's it's funny to say Freddie Freeman screws up your roster, right? You've got a DH in the National League. You could just kind of switch Belton Freeman potentially, but... Again, I just don't really see that happening. I think they want to use the DH spot as a position where they can shuffle guys through and, and use it flexibly. Gabe Kapler even said that's what they're going to do. So if you've got Belt and Freeman, they both have to play pretty much every day. And so you no longer have a DH spot open for anybody else. Maybe Freddie Freeman, maybe he can play some second base. Hasn't he played there? Didn't he play, didn't he play another position for a little bit? I'm going to scroll down and see. He played third base for 136 innings in 2017, and he was not bad, according to defensive runs saved and UZR. Let's see. I can actually pull up, what did I say, 2017? They've got him at 74th percentile in outs above average. That obviously included his time at uh, first base. Okay, so they had him at negative one out above average in 2017 at third base so who knows maybe he could play some second base for you wouldn't that be amazing uh freddie freeman as your second baseman throwing over to belt at first base you can dream right so anyway that is all the time we have for today let's let's manifest that that's what i want to happen that's my new that's my new dream so anyway that is all the time we have for today thanks again for making locked on giants your first listen every day now make your second listen locked on mlb Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. 
Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out so much, so thank you in advance, and thank you to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again two more times this week. We're going to break down the Giants rotation in detail, talk about projections for Carlos Rodon. We're also going to do a mailbag later in the week as well. So I can't wait to be with you again then. Thanks again for listening, and as always, stay locked on Giants.